Hi, guys. Welcome back to Into the Light, a different life story, my show on YouTube and as a podcast uh, with me, your host, Stefan Neff. And today I've got another fantastic interview waiting. I've got Sharon Valenti with me. Sharon is a woman who nowadays teaches people to realize, literally transform their life and their relationships into such a life where their relationships have a real meaning for them, where they can live that life that is that they desire and have the relationships that they really want. Now, that is a magic trick that if you start to practice it, it will change your life forever. So actually, I've got a magician here today with me who teaches us the the inner sanctum tricks to actually start us learning to love ourselves. And in turn, then suddenly your relationships change dramatically. So Sharon, thank you so much for coming onto my show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to bring some little tidbits for your listeners that hopefully they'll put to use and begin changing their lives into ones that they truly love. So true. I mean, my background, I mean, I was, I was in rehab seven years ago and in rehab we had uh, a saying, the only thing that changes in recovery is everything. And one of the biggest things that you realize when you come through a traumatic time and then, then change is that you quickly outgrow the relationships that you had formed so far, which in the case of an addict is typically using partners or drinking partners far more than true meaningful relationships. So I have been on this path for quite some time now, seven, eight, well, seven years, and my relationships have changed dramatically. Now, you are teaching others how to do that, but the question is, what made you do that? How did you get onto that path? Where is the, where is the background there to this transformation that no doubt has occurred in you? Thank you for asking that. I actually am the child of two alcoholics. One being my mother was the um, drunk all day kind of person, but very violent, very aggressive, and very belittling. And my father was the happy-go-lucky, kind of fall down, pass out, sleep it off, get up and do it all over again. And of course, in that environment, when you are young, you learn to become a, almost a perfectionist, or you certainly aim to be a perfectionist, and you're very good at people-pleasing. And when it starts when you're extremely young, you take on the beliefs, or I took on the beliefs, that when my mom said she was going to spank me, my little four-year-old mind would say, oh, I'm not lovable. She doesn't love me. I'm a bad girl. And those beliefs stick with you, and they're a driving force unconsciously in your life. So this went on for years and years. And when I finally broke away from it, because I was so familiar with the violence, I went into an equally violent relationship. And um, 
16 years of being pummeled and emotionally beaten and physically and mentally, one day I just said, this has got to change. I'm not happy, clearly not happy. I'm exhausted from the people pleasing behaviors. And I'm sure this is not new to any of your listeners. Um, and it's like, how do you get out of this trap? It felt like a trap. So my first attempt at it was comical in a way. The local college was putting on a class of how to develop self-confidence. And I, oh, that's it. I need self-confidence. So I show up to their little off-campus self-development group. And I was the only one who showed up. So they canceled the course. <laughs> so I thought so much for self-confidence. <laughs> but I wasn't, I wasn't deterred. See, the need, the need was there, not two it ways was. around it. <laughs> Absolutely. But there was so much more that at that time I didn't really understand because I was still in the, oh, poor me, the victim mindset. And very much um, I drew people to me who would commiserate that old adage, misery loves company. They were like magnets to me. So we just kept wallowing in the victimhood. And as time went on and that I'd had enough, I'd hit rock bottom, so to speak. I just couldn't take it anymore. So I took my children and myself and I left that relationship and I really started on a campaign. I went to some Al-Anon meetings and I was very fortunate where I was living at the time. There were meetings morning, noon and night. And some of that rang so true with me. I felt like they'd written the book for me. And I recommend anybody, no matter what walk of life they're in, to go to a few Al-Anon meetings. But I also am very big on reading. So I read a lot of what you call self-help books, which are, of course, only helpful if you apply what you're reading to yourself. So even if I got one or two tidbits out of it, it was an aha moment, and I started applying it to my life. Fast forward a few years, I, I, um, I found the work of Byron Katie, and I decided it, it really resonated with me for the simple reason it helped me uncover those underlying beliefs that had been running my life, attracting the kind of relationships. And I'm not just talking romantic relationships. I'm talking friends, bosses, coworkers, even with your pets. I mean, there are relationships of all kinds. And I only wanted harmonious relationships. And I heard my mother's voice always in the back of my mind saying, you have delusions of grandeur. And it really bothered me. It stuck with me for a long time until I questioned it. And I was like, so what? So what if I have delusions of grandeur? They're mine, you know, and it works for me. <laughs> but um, as I grew and as I learned and as I understand that we are the one causing our own difficulties, and it's very, very easy to blame someone. And when I first heard that myself, I was like, no, no, it's them, it's them, it's, it's not them, it's us. We get these robust stories going around. I could say, oh, I see you've got that sweatshirt on today, Stefan. And you would think, I knew I should have put the red one on. You know, this isn't the right color. Da, 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 da. And all I said was, I see you've got, got that on. You know, or you'd be driving down the street, the person cuts you off. And all that person did was cut you off. And in that fear, we've already seen the accident, seen the ambulance arriving, we're on the phone in the hospital now calling, and all that happened was somebody cut us off. When we understand that we are doing that to ourselves, and when we get triggered, 
to be able to look and say, what was I believing underneath all of that? And this is not necessarily an easy task until you become practiced at it. It's certainly doable. And I asked, would you prefer to have a billion dollars or would you prefer to have peaceful thoughts? Mm, bit of a balance there. But if you think about it, if you have peaceful thoughts, you're not even thinking about the money anymore because your life is so peaceful. There's no price tag on peaceful thoughts. And we may have them once in a while, but you know, there's um, three kinds of businesses. There's your business and there's my business and there's the divine business. And the only time, the only time we can suffer is when we are in somebody else's business, whether it's in our mind or out loud. So if I'm judging you in your sweatshirt today and I get in your business, oh, you should have put the other one in, it would have looked better. Whose business is it? What you do or what I do? When I stay in my own business, I'm fine. That hurricane that devastated 10 states away from me, that's the divine's business. I cannot do anything about that. And it's already happened. All of these events have already happened. So here, instead of the, the um, oh, I forget what it's called. I'm so sorry. God grant the serenity prayer. So instead of the serenity prayer, the mantra for me has become, how do I know it should have happened? Because it did. And if I start arguing with that, then I'm the only one who's going to suffer. Oh, shouldn't have had that drink, shouldn't have had that cake, shouldn't have done this, shouldn't. It's already happened. How do I know it should have been that way? Because it happened. And to argue is insanity. That is insanity. That's the true definition of insanity in my book, right? Can you see this? Uh, very much so. Yeah, yeah very much. <laughs> so God, I, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. I cannot change. Right. Okay, so... Right. And so that leads me to acceptance versus forgiveness. And this is just what works for me. This is my truth. If I forgive you for something I perceive you've done to me, it's always in the back of my mind that you did something to me. If I say I accept that you did that, it's done. And, and I'd say, okay, that's a part of Stefan. I don't have to like it. I don't have to hang around with you anymore. But there's an immediate feeling of peacefulness that comes over me rather than if I say I forgive, I still think, oh, he did that to me. But okay, I forgive him, but he still did it to me. And, and I'll still fret on it like that. So that's what works for me is moving into the acceptance, which is the same as saying, how do I know it should have happened? Because it did. And that statement actually got me through the day when I got the news that my son had died. I kept saying, how do I know he should be dead? Because he is. That doesn't mean I didn't mourn him, that I don't miss him every single day. But I wasn't arguing. I wasn't saying, oh, he shouldn't be dead. And oh, why did it happen to me and make it all about me? And that's a rather extreme example. But I tell you, in one of the toughest times, that statement is what got me through the day and days to come. And I realized that I am the one who's creating that story about anything. So I can't blame you anymore for what's going on inside of me 
or my husband much as I'd like to. I can't. And he's a psychologist, so I never can get away with it with him. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, you know, taking full responsibility. So if I'm upset or and the invitation is anytime we get triggered by something someone said or some event out there, just stop and see if you can find out what you were believing about yourself in that moment. Mm. And it's always some form of not enoughness. Um, I can't think of an example, right? Just off the cuff about not enoughness. Uh, again, the shirt is a great example or my dress is a great example. You say, one thing, and I will think, oh, he doesn't think I'm smart enough that I couldn't figure it out on my own, da, da, da. That's what could happen. And that's not true. All you did was make a statement to me. My mind is still living that I'm not good enough. I have a, go ahead. You want to say something? Oh, no, no. You're so right. I'm, 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 I'm following through in my mind and I recognize myself in your words. I recognize in moments where I thought, oh, God, and then actually, um, yeah, having to realize what is going on. I also recognize that seven years ago, I had no emotional intelligence whatsoever. So to actually do the work that you are now doing is therefore so important. And yes. But even now, probably you and I are working hard to have that realization and have yeah. that that daily knowledge because here we are fighting 50 100,000 years of hard wiring in our uh, mammalian brain yes. where where everything is is reaction to our environment and where our emotions are directly linked to waves of neurochemicals and hormones and left, right, and center. And, and that is the reason that you lash out. That is the reason that you behave the way you do. That is the reason that you feel the way you do, like it or lump it. Yes. But yes. Your, your insights there are actually bloody deep and bloody uh, true. I can testify to that. Thank you. Here's a, an exercise that people can do that will give you a little bit of time to contemplate and find your own beliefs. If I call them the one liners in our life. So what were the one line things your parents would say to you when you were a child? I distinctly remember children should be seen and not heard. And when I thought about that one, right, most of us heard it. It seemed like a generational thing. Most of us heard it and still today. And I thought, okay, children should be seen and not heard. As that small child, what beliefs did I get about it? And for me, it was I'm unimportant and I should be invisible. And that showed up as the pattern in my life. I, I would speak up in different moments because I had to be invisible. And I could be in a room of my most fantastic friends and be the hostess of the party and still feel invisible until I discovered this was it. There's starving children in Europe, eat everything on your plate, right? Even if it was, you're gagging on it. I uncovered for myself how that manifested. At one time I had three full bathrooms in the home that I was living in and it was just me. I had them stocked like 
Sam's Club supermarket with toothbrushes, toothpaste, toilet paper, everything anybody could need, even though it was just me in the house. The fridge and freezer stocked with food that eventually expired and the same with the pantry. And as I started doing this inner work, I was like, oh, shortage consciousness. That's what came out of their starving children in Europe. I had this shortage consciousness mindset underneath going on. And that fear of that is what made me overstock things. I'm not a hoarder by any means, but just those things. Mm. Now I keep normal amounts, normal, whatever normal is, but I don't keep gigantic quantities of the essentials anymore because some of them are perishable, obviously. Um, for men, men don't cry. Men shouldn't cry. Boys shouldn't cry. You know, tough it up, tough it out. Whatever the statements were, created a generation of emotionally devoid partners for a lot of women. And it's like, you don't understand my feelings and da 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 da, because men aren't able to show because at some level it demasculine there's not such a word it makes you less masculine which is not true and this is what it teaches let's it's not about being right or wrong it's about let's find the truth is it true i should be invisible or keep silent or or that boys shouldn't cry men shouldn't cry no of course it's not how about walk under a ladder you don't have bad luck or break the mirror seven years. I mean, we, those are silly ones, but when we're kids, we believe those. And for whatever reason, they don't really stick, or at least I hope they don't. But if you think about the one-liners and just start making a list of the things that you heard, and this is the invitation to your listeners, and see if you can find what beliefs you took on about yourself, because nobody tells you to believe that you you develop a belief around it and then see if you can locate how that's been a driving force in your life now i i was um, molested by my father and when i took a look back at that i can now find so this is how do i know it should have happened because it did but in the beginning, I was like, oh, my God, how could a parent do this to me? And da, da, da. These are, you know, your mom and dad are the two we look up to the most, right? They're our protectors. Now, here's the alcoholic mother who definitely isn't caring for me. Now the only other adult has, has betrayed me in the worst way. However, when I took a look back at that, I discovered that as that eight-year-old child, I blamed myself for it. I said inside, if I hadn't even been born, he wouldn't have done that. You know, it's my fault. I couldn't acknowledge that this hero could do something so awful, even though it happened. And I suppressed that memory till I was in my 30s and then really began to take a look at it. And in doing so, and with my mother, I was able to look at their faces and what they were wearing in, their, in those moments and find absolute compassion for them because they are hurting too. And in their own, I want to say perverse, but in their own way, that's how they dealt with it. Now, maybe a second later, they might have regretted their behavior, but in that moment, that's the best they could do. And it's the best we're all are always doing our best in any instant. An instant later, we could hate ourselves, but in that moment, that's the best we could do. And in understanding that, 
I was able to find that compassion for my parents. Now, that doesn't mean I have anything. Well, they're deceased now, but I didn't have anything to do with them later in life because that's the choice I made. I don't believe in that blood is thicker than water and nonsense. I have friends that I'm much closer to, but I can have love and compassion for those two people in my life. They Did they bring me to this moment? I don't know, to be honest with you. And perhaps they did because those actions were a driving force for me to get out of that type of life, out of the abusive lifestyle. And it's led me to be a teacher for others now in how to get those peaceful thoughts. Now we think of these heinous things people have done and we want to hate them. And that's okay if you want to do that, but that's exhausting living in hatred. It is, and it's debilitating physically. It will manifest physically. Holding on to that anger long enough can cause cancer and other physical ailments in our bodies. And then we hear, you've got to love yourself. Well, how the bloody hell do you do that? Nobody gives the instructions, right? Well, here's a starting point. We're all taught, most of us, at least my generation, to put others first. Let the company go first. Let them serve themselves after you. Why are we doing more for somebody else than we would do for ourselves? And to focus on self is not narcissistic or awful. It truly is the first steps in self-love. So instead of when you're in the kitchen making that salad and you're pulling off the rotten lettuce pieces and putting the rest in the bowl and the crinkly tomatoes and cutting off the smushy end of the cucumber, you wouldn't serve that to me, right? You go to the market and buy all beautiful produce. Why would you do that for somebody else and not for yourself? Aren't you deserving of that beautiful, fresh salad for yourself? Of course. So it's all those small steps that begin that self-love. Go and treat yourself to something and do it enough that you're not feeling guilty anymore for doing something nice for yourself. I mean, most people, I'll give the shirt off my back for him, right? Well, let's keep the shirt on for a change. Let him get his own shirt, you know, or find another shirt for him. But we are so conditioned, both body and mind, to be like that. And you refer to that a few minutes ago. It's that conditioning, and it's never, ever too late to recondition ourselves. Uh, Eckhart Tolle, I think he's the one, wrote... Um, the power of now. And so people are like, oh, how do you stay in the now? Because the mind is drifting. One small technique that, or tactic, I should say, is everything we do from the moment we get up, do it opposite. So let's say you put your pants legs on the left leg first every day. Do the right leg first instead. I promise you have to be there because the other way, you don't even think about it. You just do it or put your, whichever arm you put through your sleeves first, do it the opposite. You have to be present. And so that's reconditioning the body and the mind. If you're in meditation and the thoughts drift away, just bring them back. Don't beat yourself up and then don't beat yourself up for beating yourself up. Just bring your thoughts back. The fact that you've even noticed is the beginning of reconditioning. 
keep doing it, keep doing it. And then you're not even going to have to think about it anymore because you'll be in that present moment. And that's where a lot of peace also is, right? Just right here, right now. And then let's talk about fear. People scare the crap out of themselves and they're doing it themselves. You know, they're projecting something God awful is going to happen down the road. And now we're all worked up and it hasn't even happened. Now that's ridiculous. Yes, we scare ourselves. Have you ever done that? Well, 90% of the time, 90% at least of the, the negative thoughts, oh my God, uh, that will happen, do never come true. And it's probably far more than 90% in all reality. Uh, so yes, at the same token, I'm uh, being a doctor, my job is to think of the worst as an anesthetist. My yeah. job as a, as a dad is to be prepared for disasters. So it's interesting to hear your, your focus and those things that are truly, truly subscribed to and that, that, that you've taken them the step further. And I'm sort of trying to figure out, how do I feel about that? How do I, do I think about that? Because the facts that you're saying and the emphasis that you're putting on the now are so, so true. I think there needs to be a bit of a middle, a middle way. Yeah, I live on the Pacific Rim of Fire, um, it's a bit of a giveaway that from now and then the, the earth shakes and, and the weather is not so nice. Um, and from now and then there are no more pharmacies around and there's no more food around. So I think a lot of people here in, in the semi-rural New Zealand, they quite used to have several means of acquiring what they need to survive. But that is a conscious decision. And that's again, conscious to say, actually, we looked at the risk. And the risk is actually there. And so therefore, there's, a, there's an, uh, an interesting uh, thought dichotomy here happening because you need to figure out what is real in your life, what is the real risk, and be prepared. You're stupid not to. And all the, yes. Exactly. And not the 95% other things which yes. lead you then to go completely over the top, often with with very strange things. What we what yeah. we found here when when uh, suddenly New Zealand had a threat of COVID coming through and we went into lockdown, people didn't think about supplies of rice or staples. No, they fought over toilet paper. And that was that was that went unfortunately worldwide <laughs> how our fascination with toilet paper was. Uh, but yeah. to a certain degree that is right because it's it is it is catastrophizing. It is actually a very weird kind of human behavior that we are very prone to. I think yes. that's that's what you're saying. You are so right from that angle. So guys, don't think for a moment Shen is dishing disaster preparedness or, or very real preparation for yes. risks that are there for you. Um, no, she is She is dealing with all the other 95% of, oh my God, oh my God, what will they think when when I send an email? For, but yesterday, I did the invoices for this week. So all the patients, the private patients got invoiced. And with every single one, I thought, oh my God, have I charged the right amount? Will they be angry? Will they be whatsoever? I felt bad with every invoice. And I thought, what are you doing? 
what are you doing? You have provided a service. You've you've put your heart into that. You've you've transformed their journey through pain into something that they can smile about. So and that comes with a price. So stop beating yourself up. Yet I was beating myself up. I was catastrophizing. So here I am, seven years down the line on my renewal path, and I still make the same the same mistakes. Essentially, I still refocus on the wrong things. So I'm as guilty as charged. I'm therefore you are so important in what you're saying. You're so bringing us or giving putting putting a mirror in front of our faces. So your words are gold. So please keep going. Thank you. And to your point, being prepared is different than living in the fear. Absolutely. Yeah, it it absolutely is. As a parent, we know that there are potential pitfalls for our children. So to have a plan A, B, and C in our mind, should it happen, that makes sense. Just like having your first aid kit at home, right? But to deliberately create a story that is never going to happen, or even if it, so creating the story, I always invite people to two things. What's the worst thing that could, the worst thing that could happen is I'll lose my job or I'll lose my income. And then what? Well, then I won't have a house. And then what? I won't have a car. I'll lose everything. And then what? I won't have any food. I'll be out on the streets. And then what? I'll be homeless. Okay. And then what? Well, nothing. I'll be by myself. Okay. Well, you're always with yourself anyhow, right? So the worst thing is you'll still have what you've already got, right? And it's just drilling down those fears to see if I lose my house, I'll go live with my daughter's friends or Frank's family or whomever will always have food. I mean, even if we go eat the leaves off the trees or the blackberries, that are we, we make ourselves so afraid. And then I wanted to, because you triggered this thought, people's perceptions we try so hard to influence how other people might see us. And that comes with the people-pleasing behaviors as well. Well, the truth is we cannot know what somebody perceives of us any more than they can know how we perceive us. Two friends could meet the same person and both have completely different takes on them. So we can all stop the Cirque du Soleil acts and just be ourselves. And they'll either love us or not, but the treasure that comes out of that is that we now relax and we start to love ourselves at who we are. We just try too hard is what we do. And I have no influence, right? I mean, we cannot influence. Have you ever had somebody that you've been friends with for a while and they do something that ticks you off and now you don't like them anymore? And that poor soul has not changed at all. Only your perception has changed. This is how two, three, four children in the same household grow up and they all see their parents differently. And it's because in the different scenarios, they perceived it. I used to say that with my own children. You, you were raised in the same household. How do you see it so differently? And I understand it. They had different perceptions on different things. And we all do that too. So again, just checking in with ourselves. Am I doing the people-pleasing behavior? Stop it because I have no control over it. It's much more relaxing to show up as my authentic self, meaning 
um, just who I am. Say I, I tend to be outspoken, so I say what's on my mind, generally in a in a kind way, because I believe that I don't need to be rude or harsh with anybody. But I also, and this is something to really think on, listeners, is it's not your job, his job, her job to love you, like you, support you, care for you. It's your job to do that. And when we put that responsibility on another, we set them up for failure and we set ourselves up to be angry. We are the only ones that know exactly what love would look like in our lives. And we know what it means to be, to support ourselves and, and like ourselves. Why would we shoulder somebody else with that responsibility? And why would we in our heads have the audacity to think we know what's better for the other person than they know for themselves, right? Stay in our own business there. Stay in our own business. The fact is most of us have no bloody clue what, what really is love for ourselves. Uh, yeah. What do we really want? What our true desires are? We have no clue, most of us. And yeah, I was, right. I was, I was as guilty as charged when in when I was early in in my marriage. Uh, every year Christmas, I felt disappointed because I Christmas was not panning out the way I wanted it to. Yet at the same token, I had not the emotional maturity to actually define what do I really want, yeah. to actually bring it out. I just knew my needs, quotation mark, are not met. And inevitably, uh, with being emotionally immature, I blamed others for that. So, yeah, and it is just bizarre. It is, you know, how can you be sidetracked when you actually don't know which track you're on? So it is, it is actually, uh, what you're talking is deeply profound and, but so true. So, so true. And, and if you is, don't know, how is the other person supposed to know? Exactly. You know, let's stop the guesswork. Let's say, hey, for Christmas, let me give you some ideas mm. of things that I would like. Because there is that tendency for people to buy for others the mm. things that they would like for themselves. So, of course, we're not going to look what we get given. You know, don't be shy. Tell them what you <laughs> want now, right? Well, that's true. That's for the gifts. But also just which music to play. Uh, are we sitting down? Are we dressing up for it? Or are we relaxing for it? Do we, uh, what is the focus? And the focus was easy when the kids were small. Well, of course, you, did, you know, that is where the focus is. But at some stage, you have to address that little kid deep inside yourself and actually deal with that. And it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're 16, 70, there is still this little kid in there that that has been traumatized, that has had this, this disapproving look given from the parents in the wrong moment and that look never left you right and you know it is there is so much work that we need to do to address the inner little demons the inner little super villain voices that play us the wrong the wrong message Absolutely. Uh, and it is so so hard to do that and that's one of the things in, in recovery or when I say recovery, that's typically used in the sense of addiction and afterwards uh, getting clean uh, alcohol, etc. 
I think recovery also is after you have gone through trauma. Uh, there is a very much a recovery process there it is and there are many similarities if you had a bad bout of depression if you had i don't know ptsd you name it put it in there there is a period of healing afterwards yes. and the steps of recovery are actually the same uh, to to a great degree so therefore i feel often when my guests are talking about their journey and that might have been an eating disorder that might have been whatever and when they then talk about like you today you're talking about the relationships and and changing relationships what you speak out of my heart uh, yet your story is quite different than mine so the similarities are there and that's the beautiful thing we can learn from each other so much and but what you're referring to today is actually heavy duty because you really need to dig deep and you can't therefore do that alone. Many other things in recovery, you can start the journey yourself by eating healthy. Well, you know, one day you put a bit of an extra salad on there and the next meal you put a bit of extra protein in there, etc. You can do that yourself. But to actually figure out who am I, who is the person that needs to be loved and needs to be recognized, etc. That's bloody hard to do alone. Well, we all do. And, and in I had two courses that I offer. They're identical content. One is a self-study course, and one you meet with me once a week, in addition to doing this homework. And it takes you step by step, just like the 12 steps. It takes you step by step how to unearth the hidden beliefs. And then there's questions all throughout the course that you're going to apply it to. And you can use these questions over and over and over. Each time you get triggered by something, just put it to the test to see if it's even true. But it's it's healthy to find those buried beliefs because they are running our life you people will notice i keep attracting the same kind of relationships i'm so fed up this is why statistics with divorce rates say if the first one doesn't last generally the second one and even the third might not last unless you get the third one later in life because unconsciously the same pattern is going on just like the kid in the playground who is being picked on, the bully knows which kid he can pick on. And the bully's suffering too. You know, the bully has, you always hear about this um, fight against the bullies, but you never hear about, let's have a group to help the bullies. They are suffering. They're just showing it in the wrong way. Just like anybody with an addiction is looking for relief in all the wrong places. It's the same thing. And this kid who is the victim needs to have himself, his, his own self-confidence, self-esteem, et cetera, boosted. From the time we are little, we are taught the negativity. It's right down from when the parents are near a toddler and say, ah, no, don't touch, no, no, you'll burn your fingers. No, all we hear is no, 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 no. Very, very few yeses, if any. You know, when you're six months old, put you in the middle of a highway. Do you think you know fear? No, you're a six-month-old baby loving life. 
Did you learn to be fearful throughout life? Of course you did. You get punished if you did something your parents didn't like, punished if you did something your teachers didn't like, punished if you did something your boss didn't like. No wonder we live in fear. So we're so conditioned for that, but now we're adults. Now our parents can't punish us. Our boss can't punish us. Our friends and peers can't punish us. Only we do that. An incident may have happened one time and we replay it over and over and over. Right. We are doing that to ourselves again. You know, that person might not even know that they've done something to us. In the back of the big book, it talks about spirit, spirituality being man's evolution of himself. And that's all uh, um, enlightening moment is every time you have that aha moment it's a moment of enlightenment Mm -hmm. and that is not some overnight spectacular it might be for some people but for the rest of us it's just each aha moment each Mm -hmm. moment of clarity each moment of truth and Mm -hmm. and we have to find out whose beliefs are we still carrying along this is a little aside i remember my son asking me one time I told him to, he was going to put something in the boiler. And I said, leave the door, leave the oven door open. And he said, why? I said, I have no idea. It's just what I was told to do. And we all, I don't know whose belief I've been carrying, but we all do things, we say things. And we're just parroting what somebody else said. Isn't it time we got our own beliefs and applied those to our lives? Yeah. Hell yes. Hell yeah. yes. And I think I think that is the, the recovery work. That is the healing work that we all need to do because we all have got those traumas. We all yeah. have got them. Now you could argue, oh, for crying out loud, stop, Stefan. This is trauma. This is not trauma. Of course, your parents did mean well. Of course, there was no trauma there. They they told you no because otherwise you would have killed yourself or burned yourself or drowned yourself uh, yes that is all true but at the same token your two three four five year old self unfortunately got messages that might have been different and far more deeply ingrained now than you would have liked them to be because the five-year-old can't distinguish between aha my action is bad versus i am bad Right. And exactly. that is the key thing. That is the key thing. And that is what many, 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 many people nowadays suffer from. They think yes. they are bad. They are worthless. Yeah. They are hopeless. Yeah. And that is the message. It is they have not learned the mindfulness. Uh, they have not learned the skill to distinguish between I'm bad versus what I've done is bad. And yeah. that is what you're talking about. And that is so powerful. Therefore, your message is so, so, so important. And it's, it's very doable to change it. However, just like anything else, you have to be willing to put the time and energy into it. And it will not happen overnight or next week or next month. It's, it's a process like anything else because depending on your age and how many years you've been hearing those things. Exactly. And even your example of our parents get in our face because we might drown. It's always a might. It, did it happen? No. And is it true I will drown if I walk around that pool? I don't know, because it hasn't happened yet. And again, just more fear instilled in us till we are terrified to get out there and just be who we are. We're puppets on a string most of the time. They're 
trying to be, and I hate the word try, we are being what we think everybody else wants us to be instead of, you know, when you're at home, you dress one way, right? And you act one way. What if we went to work and acted just like we did at home? Wouldn't we be so chill and happy at work there or any place <laughs> else? Right? You know, showing up as, hey, this is who I really am. Yeah. You know, eating the brownies in my pajamas, you know, whatever. This is who I am. So anyhow, it's a beautiful world out there. And we have control over our lives. Yeah. You know, one thing that I live my life by today is, and it's still a goal of mine because I'm not there, is I intend on being the master of my thoughts rather than my thoughts keep being the master of me. And that is an ongoing goal because my thoughts have run my life way too long. And now I'm going to run my life by checking in all the time with what I'm thinking and believing to see if it's even true. And most of the time it isn't. So true. So yeah. true. And we all have that choice. We have, but it's one of the hardest skills to learn as far as I'm concerned. Maybe I speak only for myself, but I I constantly, constantly am working on that. Because guys, you can you can deal with with emotions, you can deal with many other situations, you can deal with many other flow-on effects of trauma, etc. But it is the underlying beliefs that are so, so crucially important. I didn't get that when I went through my 12-step program in rehab. There's in, in step four, there is a lot about beliefs in there. And it is uh, one of the most difficult things to actually realize what do you believe? What do you really believe? And, and for that, you need to talk. You need to talk with someone who actually is focusing on that and who's focusing on what you say, but more importantly, what you don't say and why you don't say it. So it's yeah. those kind of things. So this is a step where, again, where, where I emphasize you really need someone to work with you to make you realize what your beliefs actually are because they are so deep, hidden, and 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 really ingrained. We're talking childhood stuff here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and that might be a few months ago for most of us. So therefore, it is so important, and that's that's where people like you come in. I mean, uh, if 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 that rings a bell, and it should ring a bell for everyone, everyone out there. Let's be clear about that. Yeah. Um, regardless of what your background is, if people want to do some work with you, how can they get hold of you? So they can visit my website, and I will just say my website is isittrue.com. Easy enough, right? Isittrue.com. And right in the first lesson, I have a, a method out there where you will find all your underlying beliefs. They'll all show up in this one area. And then you apply different situations to them and the rest of the questions. But I also invite... On the website, you can get a free copy of Relationship Restoration. And remember, relationships of all kinds, parents, children, et cetera, et cetera. And it will, it will get you on the right track in as much as seeing some of the behaviors that we unconsciously demonstrate that lead to problems with others and just keep you start you becoming mindful it talks about anger and what anger is and why we do anger it talks about expectations and it's just a short ebook however it's powerful and 
again, you have to be ready, willing, and able to change. If you haven't hit your bottom, you might not be ready. And I clearly state that. I say this, don't take this course if you're just going to waste your time. It'll be just another course you put on the shelf and have spent money for. If you are really, really ready to change and have a life that's peaceful and have relationships that are like chocolate for the soul, then you'll pursue this. Is it true.com? Let's find out. Well, that's exactly it. What could possibly go wrong, guys? Nothing. Nothing could go wrong. Everything can go right. Well, that's right. Exactly right. There is, yeah. this is probably one of the most important, important skills you could possibly learn in your whole life. I agree. And it is, and I say that because I'm, I'm on this journey myself. And I'm, I'm working with a life coach who, who is trying to help me there because it's the belief systems that have pretty much stuffed me up to, and I didn't realize that. Yeah. And whilst I was focusing on the negative emotions and the shame, the guilt, I was becoming more aware of all those things. And that's beautiful. And I'm trying to change them, trying to do mindfulness, be, li be living now, but yeah. it's the belief systems. And they go back to a very, very long time ago, where, which still cause the negative emotions to come up. Yep, and we, and it's the same. Oh, for Christ's sake, I'm, I'm mid fifties. My wife is my early fifties. I give her that. Uh, just a tad bit younger and gorgeouser than me, but she is as fucked up in the head as I am due to her belief systems and we both are working on that and sometimes we have got we, we begin to have rows meanwhile we have learned to recognize what is going on so we can stop a row in in its track but right. why where did the original feelings come from and inevitably when you actually drill down to it it is our beliefs that have yeah. caused something where she completely heard something different than what I was trying to say. And nowadays my communication is actually so much better than it was in the past. I can actually verbalize certain things, yet her belief system causes her to perceive or understand words that were meant in a totally different way, in a, in a, in a weird way for me. And we have to say, where the fuck is this coming from? Oh, right. So that's the time to get still and see if you can just find what was I believing? What mm. just triggered me like that? Indeed. And you can do it. And once you find them, they tend to come up and, be, and they, they're gone unless there's something else underneath that needs to keep that belief in place. Absolutely. And even though it's come up and you know in that moment, let's say, oh, he really does love me. I am lovable. Mm. I am loved. Not to say another situation couldn't trigger that same underlying belief, but you've already checked in and know it's not true anymore. So you're like, oh, I know I'm lovable. And, the, and this is where you begin. This is where positive affirmations can take root. I, I am lovable. I know because I've already inquired on this. And it'll set you free. And it takes a little bit of doing, but first you must find what those driving beliefs are that have been crippling your life and causing you to do things that you wish you'd never done, right? So true, so true. Yeah. And that is where 
where they're escaping reality with drugs or with alcohol or with sex or or anything like that it is it will not change anything you're just escaping for a short period of time and it's okay to do that for a little bit but at some stage it is it is so beautiful to come back into this moment and living this moment and trying to figure out what is deep inside because yeah. there's there's a beautiful person waiting there there yes. is a, a beautiful human being but you have to put some work in it and you have to actually bring that person out it is it is like a garden there are many many seeds sprouting up there you need to get rid of the weeds okay you can't just can't just wait and see if this beautiful flower or this beautiful vegetable is starting to grow now get rid of the seeds and nurture that the, the vegetable give it the water give it the nutrition that it needs and that's exactly the same thing with the real you with the you that you want to grow that you want to be proud of you need to yeah. nurture that 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 person and yeah. and sharing yeah. you, you you focused on on such a fundamental and critical skill so that's beautiful oh yeah. sharon i'm so so grateful that you came onto my show today because I'm delighted. Uh, no, absolutely. And guys, you know what could possibly go wrong? So if if we uh, if we raised your awareness towards something that normally goes in our subconscious all the time, then congratulations. Then we have done our job. And yes. both Sharon and I are working on it. We are we are trying to get ourselves sorted now that's a lifelong task okay this is in my case i still got a lot of things to do <laughs> goodness gracious uh it's an ongoing renovation okay <laughs> it is, and, it's, and it's very doable though you know you just that's have true to, you have to <laughs> because the other way you stand a chance of losing everything that's near and dear in your life mm. and if you don't want that to happen then the change starts with you of course mm. exactly sharon I'm humbled and I'm, I'm uh, honored that you came onto my show. Thank you so much. Guys, you out there, you look after yourself, stay strong. There is hope. There is a way out, regardless what you're going through. So do not give up. You're on the right track because you're here. You're listening to my show because you want to listen to people like Sharon who have been there, done it, and have are that little bit further down the path compared with you but you have just jumped onto that path so congratulations do not give up there is hope out there look after yourself bye Don't